you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. At JCPenney, fashion counts for everybody and everybody. The weather is getting warmer and it's time to swap my winter layers for fun, vibrant, and cool clothing with so many fun things happening this spring like Mother's Day and the Wind Down Tour. It's hard to find great looking clothes that fit you just right. That's why I love JCPenney. JCPenney has so many stylish and comfortable options for so many different body types. I've been blown away by their selection and everything hugs my body in all the right spots. Refresh your wardrobe this spring with style that gets you. Something to wear that fits your favorite moments of the season at prices that feel just as good. Discover brands that get you and put style and comfort first, like Worthington and Liz Claiborne for her, each in women's petite and plus sizes. Here, spring comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. JCPenney, make everybody count. With AT&T in-car Wi-Fi, elevate your adventure by transforming your vehicle into a reliable Wi-Fi hotspot. Connect up to 10 devices up to 50 feet away from your vehicle, making it ideal for camping and road trips. Don't miss out on the fun. Embark on your next adventure today. Visit att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi to check if you're eligible for a free trial. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. The Around the NFL Podcast turns down for J.J. Watt. Welcome back to another edition of the Around the NFL Podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I am joined by a room filled with heroes. Mark Sessler, Chris Wessling, Greg Rosenthal. <laughs> what up, boys? Greg getting physical. Hey, Dan. Uh, right out of the gate uh, Sunday. Not a battle you want to take on. I'm just going to say. I just want to make sure that everyone's ready to battle tonight and fight. Greg shoving Dan <laughs> physically right out of the game. Yeah, listen. It's his move. He's good. I'm fired it. up. It was a big week. It's a big week. It is an exciting week. And, and let's face it, we're almost to Thanksgiving. Once you hit Thanksgiving, it is on. It is on. I'm, I'm not going to say on like Donkey Kong because I'm not a horrible person, but I'm going to say it is on once you hit that. And this is the last week before you hit that home stretch, but it sets everything up for that home stretch. And we had a lot of developments come in on uh, – on the old Sunday of week 11, your thoughts, Mark? <laughs> well, glorious Sunday. Everything fell the way I would have hoped. I'm excited about that J.J. Watt intro right there. What was wrong with it? I saw both of the uh, 40-somethings nodding their heads. Why? I gave a thumbs down for the J.J. Watt intro. Oh, it's not wow. one of our most creative bits. TD, your thoughts? Turn down for what? Uh, well, no. beautifully voiced by Matt Money-Smith, who that's not the issue. It was just no, Matt Money-Smith is a many-talented man. Is this more like Wes going off against rap again? Is that what this is? No, I like hip-hop. I like rap. Well, uh, why would you say that? Because uh, you have that kind well, of not. Wes, you like it, hatred. but only if it was made before 1995. No, not at all. 95 I do okay. tend to go – I tend to skew old school in all of my music choices, but I don't hate rap at all. Okay. Well, now that that's out of the way, <laughs> we can uh, get into – But I would yes. say that repetition is the death of art. Mm. Mm. Repetition okay. is also the father of learning. Little Wayne. It's a quote. <laughs> Brevity is the soul of wit. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> yeah, blah, blah, blah. Please, Fort John. <laughs> All right. So, uh, yeah, so we have a lot of games to get to, and I guess we will start with a, a game 
you know, the two Super Bowl teams. Let's start with the two Super Bowl teams because they they are a little tough to figure out after a, a strange Sunday. So why don't we do that? Uh, and we start with the St. Louis Rams, who replaced uh, their quarterback, Austin Davis, brought Sean Hill back into the mix and had some su- success against the Denver Broncos. The defense tightens up, really makes life tough for Peyton Manning. A 22-7 Rams win over the AFC West-leading Broncos uh, in one of, I would say, the biggest upsets of the season. Wes, you were watching this game closely. Uh, this is a day the Broncos would like to forget very quickly for a number of reasons, correct? Yeah, they would like to forget uh, what Greg Rosenthal told us last week, that the Rams have one of the best defenses in the NFL. And they were in Peyton Manning's grill. They punished the Broncos' wide receivers. They deflected nine passes. They were all over the field today. And seven points, that's the fewest points Peyton Manning has scored in a game he's finished since the 2004 playoffs in which he lost to the Patriots 20-3. to that's unbelievable. Seven points in a dome. I mean, I know it's you know St. Louis home field, but it's still a dome. What would you? What do you think is like the one thing they did that other teams haven't been able to do against Denver? It's a good question. I don't know. They I mean, just it's, it looked like they were playing with more than eleven defenders. It does feel like Denver. They can't run the ball very well right now. Is that accurate? Yeah, the Broncos passed on twenty-five of the first thirty plays. Ronnie Hillman's out two to three weeks. Monte Ball came back this week and aggravated his groin injury twice. He oh, was limping man. badly uh, the second time he did it, so I wouldn't expect to see him next next week either. And then the injuries, too. Julius Thomas left early in the game, never came back. Emmanuel Sanders took one of the most brutal hits I've ever seen. Did they throw a flag on that? They did. Yeah, that was pretty vicious. It was. It looked clean. It was just a vicious hit. And he got tested for concussion, so that will have he, to go through that this week. Yeah, he had a concussion. And, frankly, I think Peyton Manning's arm strength comes back to haunt him against good defenses. We saw it in the Super Bowl, saw it against today. They've got something going. I mean, I got a lot of – I don't know if you got hit up a lot on Twitter after we debated. They're a fun defense to watch because now they have other guys like Ogletree and Laronita and, you know, Tim McDonald's, like, getting into the mix. Like, that right now is one of the best defenses in the NFL. They weren't early in the season, clearly, but right now they have to be well, playing them well. They have one sack in their first five games. <laughs> they have 18 in their last five games. EJ Gaines, the rookie cornerback, has been playing He had playing a good well. game today. So did McDonald. I know that I was in the office early this morning, and when Wes came in, right away, eight seconds into the shift, there's bickering between you two about <laughs> the Rams' defense. I think that, that St. Louis sent a message today. It's a huge loss for Denver, just because you didn't expect it coming, and – we kind of figured they're the favorite for the number one seed, even though they lost to the Patriots. But this is a loss that we never really expected, and they have some tough games coming up, too. I saw where you went with that, by the way. It wasn't so what? much St. Louis sending the message. It was mm. Wes sending a message to his boss there. Fair, Mark? I think that Wes comes down on the other side of the argument, actually. I they, believe that it's Greg who's been the support of the St. Oh, Louis yeah. defense. So. Yeah. Okay, never mind. Nice attempt to take the message and flip it completely 180 into something that would be factually inaccurate. I like to introduce chaos into the mix. <laughs> I like you did a very nice job Let's see that. what happens. All right, so the Broncos go down. How about their opponent in Super Bowl 48? The Seattle Seahawks also ran into trouble on the road. Jamal Charles ran for 159 yards and two touchdowns, and the Chiefs stopped Seattle on fourth down three times late in the fourth quarter. It all added up to a 24-20 win for the Chiefs, who are 7-3, five straight wins. Mm. And by the way, we're just, we're just talking about the Broncos. First place tie in the AFC West, the Chiefs. Mark Sessler. The Chiefs are one of the best teams in the AFC. Get time to give them respect, right? I, you know, I know, Greg, you covered this game. I look at the, the box score here. I see Alex Smith, 
with 108 yards passing. Can you explain well, what happened? Well, here? this game. Wait a second. Time out. You, know, you didn't answer my question. What's the question? Are they one of the best teams in the AFC? AFC? I think we have to respect them. I think they're strange and incomplete, and that's the question I asked. But yeah, of course, they're this seven the seven and three. Most, they keep winning. It's the most Kansas City Chiefs win ever. Their wide receivers have 18 yards in the game, and yet they beat Seattle. I mean. They only throw the ball 16 times, only once down the field, and they beat Seattle, and they do it with these long drives, and they do it because Jamal Charles is the best player on the field today. And the pass rush, Tom Bali and Justin Houston, how did, they both had three quarterback hits? Yeah, they, they were good. You know, Russell Wilson kept this game alive. It's, I'm beating the same drum every week that they have no offense other than Russell Wilson improvising, and he was great at it today. It was kind of like that Washington game. It felt like they shouldn't even been in it if not for a bunch of miracle plays that Wilson pulled off. Marshawn Lynch ran the ball very well. There wasn't one big takeaway that you could say, okay, the Chiefs did it. It was a complete team effort, but Charles was special today. I mean, a lot of their runs were up the middle against Seattle, and you just have to think how big is that loss of Brandon Meebane. They didn't look the same stopping the run. Charles is having an amazing career. Uh, it's it's now it's not just a one- or two-year thing. This has been a nice stretch of play with a major knee injury in the mix, and he is overlooked on some level when you talk about those great running backs in the NFL. He's right at the top of the list. He showed it today. If he stays healthy for three more years, is he a Hall of Famer? I think he's right there. I mean, that's a long time to stay healthy, but he's for at, running backs at that level. Half a career it's almost. It's tricky with running back stats. It's the one position where you almost have to boost their stats comparing it to former generations. But I think so because he's been a top, let's say, two to three running back for four or five years of his career. And those are generally the types of players that go to the Hall of Fame. And uh, let's talk about Seattle because, uh, you know, it's gotten to the point, I think back to – week one when I was in Seattle and we were on the phone together and we were talking about how amazing they looked and how they were by far the best team, the most balanced team in the league. Now they're, they, they lose seemingly almost every other week and it's <laughs> reached a point now where they lost today and it's not even that big a deal. Yeah. I remember when San Diego beat them in San Diego and it was like, wow, the, what a win for the Chargers. What happened to the Seahawks? What happened to that dominant team that we remember? I think we're recalibrating, you know, as the season goes on along what we really feel about this team. And, and for me, it's it's a couple of things. One, the injuries, I think, cost them heavily and they weren't able to deal with them. But number two, this is this is weeks in a row where the passing game, Greg used the best word last week, just random. And they don't seem to have they can't really do what they want through the air. Right. And their defense is good but it's no longer great. It's no longer one of the best two defense in the league. And injuries are a factor, but they got a lot of people back today. They got back Byron Maxwell, Jeremy Lane, Cam Chancellor, uh, Malcolm Smith, who made a very big play in this game. And yet, early in the game, the Chiefs' first two drives were just run down the field and just cream them for 15-play drive and then a quick drive. They only had three drives in the first half, and two of them were long touchdown drives. So the Chiefs' offense did what they wanted early. Are we surprised, though, that the Seattle defense, which a lot of people talked up as a potentially all-time level defense, they got hit with some injuries, but that it would drop off that quickly, that there maybe wasn't enough depth, and maybe we all missed that this team wasn't prepared for a rash of injuries? Well, yes, because mostly they're young. Right. Well, well and they're, they're, the injuries are too... Bobby Wagner and Cam Chancellor, who are two of the most important right. players, you can't just replace and them. And now Meebane, and they're not a bad defense. They've just gone from unbelievable to, okay, maybe they're the sixth best defense there's in nothing, the league. And they didn't. They played with too small of a margin for error last there's year. There's nothing this team hangs its hat on anymore. 
Well, they're a terrible road mm. team, and they're going to have to go and win in Arizona or win in San Francisco one of those types of games or else they're not going to go to the playoffs. One last point on Jamal Charles. DeMarco Murray's on pace to break the record for carries this year. Jamal Charles entered this game with only seven more carries than his backup. You mm. have to like what the Chiefs are doing, saving him for the playoffs. That's good. So the Seattle Seahawks are now 6-4, and four, and the Arizona Cardinals, mm. our next team, now 9-1, gentlemen. Drew Stanton threw touchdown passes to Michael Floyd on the team's first two possessions of the game, and then the defense took over, holding the Lions to two Matt Prater field goals in what ended up as a 14-6 win in a matchup, a big matchup between two of the, the teams with the two best records in the NFC. So the Cardinals send another message, uh, this time without Carson Palmer. We'll put in Drew Stanton, who played okay today. He played amazingly in the first quarter. His play dropped off a little bit, and then the defense took over and played an excellent game. I mean, they, they pressured uh, Matt Stafford all game. They held Golden Tate and Megatron to 100 yards combined and no touchdowns. Obviously didn't give up a touchdown uh, to anyone on the game. And and the big call of the game and the one that I really uh, – really showed you where Bruce Arians head at, is at with Drew Stanton. They were facing a third and 11, about two and a half minutes to play. The Lions had no timeouts. So conventional wisdom, if you have a backup quarterback, you run the ball, take it to the two-minute warning, and then hope your defense gets one more stop. Arians said, screw it, I'm throwing it. Got a first down, 11-yard completion to Larry Fitz. Three kneel downs, and it's over. So all this talk about Bruce Arians saying that he trusts Drew Stanton, that to me was all backed up by the way he handled him today, letting him throw the ball. He said it all the way, dating back to deep in the pre- in the offseason, where he they talked about, well, are you going to go draft someone or bring someone? He's like, I really, really like what we have in Drew Stanton. And I think we know he doesn't have the same skill set in some areas as Palmer, but they're re- Arians, I love what he does as a coach. He's going to roll with his guys. And Dan's point is so well said because not only, Thanks, Greg. Not only does he have the confidence to make that call in a vacuum, but he does it in a game where Stanton has two picks and almost threw a couple more in the second half. So he is watching Drew Stanton try to throw this game away, but he knows, look, the only way I'm going to win is by playing to win, even in this spot, and they trust him to throw it. It's awesome. The number one defense in the league had zero sacks today against an offensive line that's mm. been the worst in the NFL over the past couple of years and has really been much better this year, but... That's pretty telling to me that the best defense in the league couldn't get to Drew Stanton. Wow, what, what are the odds that the, the Lions have no sacks against Drew Stanton and the Seattle Seahawks had a Golston today? No QB hits, no sacks. Remember our old phrase, mm-hmm. the, the, Golston. the Golston? Yeah, I think it speaks to me about no matter what team looks hot one week, you, can't, you cannot predict what's going to happen the next. Well, Detroit hasn't really looked hot, though. They haven't played a complete their game. Their defense has. Right, that's that's fair. But they they haven't played a complete game, and I'm sick to my stomach for not choosing this magical Cardinals team to win today because the Lions have struggled to put together four quarters. I mean, that's fair to say. They've they've pulled these games out of their, you know, you you know what? What? Yeah, you know what? That's <laughs> what? it. And they oh, just get lucky. Out they're of buttocks. their buttocks. They're buttocks. Hey, that this place. is a family show. Can he we, meant we, the buttocks. Can we uh, bleep that TD mm-hmm. afterwards? Keep it in. It's... Anatomically correct. <laughs> By the way, it is not a Golston. I thought I thought this was uh, settled. It's a Dirty Peter. 
Yeah, yeah. we settled that ages ago. This is, you keep on trying to force the Golston that narrative. That may need to be bleeped out. But. I thought we have, we appreciated both were okay. First of all, I love that this is a callback to a year ago. So thanks to all the fans who have been with us the whole time and know what we're talking about. And to the ones that don't, I apologize. <laughs> uh, yeah, anything else to say about this game? I just And the other, other side of the ball, Jim Caldwell, I will give him credit because uh, oh. uh, my, myself, I've – Taken and a lot of other people have taken shots at Caldwell. Thought it was not an inspiring hiring. He's done a good job. The team is seems to be a little more disciplined now under him. But this was not a great game for Jim Caldwell. I'll say that at the same time, very conservatively played. Uh, several fourth and short scenarios where uh, he punted the ball, settled for a field goal. Finally, did go for it in the fourth quarter, and then it was a bad play call. I thought where they try to force it to Megatron on on a kind of an out that didn't work. Um, so Caldo played this game, and Greg, you were watching the game as well I was in, in a frustrating manner. I was sickened. I mean, it was the whole <laughs> the whole game seemed like an excuse for Caldwell to not go for anything. You know what I mean? I mean, he's the opposite of Arians. And then when they have third and one key spot, they give the ball to Theo Riddick, who has two carries on the day for two yards. Meanwhile, Joyke Bell is having one of the best games of his career, running over people. Very annoying. Joyke Bell, 6.1 yards per carry on 14 carries, and yet in all these fourth and short scenarios – did not give him the if ball. If I'm Detroit, I immediately rip the roof off our dome, become an outdoor Ooh, rugged like team, and then I can this. start to get on this train. If you're, you're coddled, you live in a dome, and you're never going anywhere if that's the case. That's expensive. If you were to draw up a third and one running back, he would look exactly opposite of Theo Riddick. Right. He'd look like <laughs> Joyke Bell. Yeah. The Cardinals, by the way, can basically win the division next week if they win in Seattle, which is very tough to do. But that's insane that they could give the, Bruce the Arians would be the over. trophy. Do you get a trophy when you're coach of the year? I'm sure you do. Yeah, probably. I think you get a Cadillac. In fact, they <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he already has one of those. Um, they just give it to him because in a, a year where you had the Niners and the Seahawks in your division and you just blow the division away and maybe clinch it by uh, December, marron. Just put him and in the Hall of Fame. And you lose your quarterback? He's awesome. Just put him in the Hall of Fame. Well, how, is, how are they not the team of ATL? Bruce Arians is our people. Let's not we have the power that. to do that. Let's keep our dignity, Wes. We don't have any dignity. Well, you that's a good point, too. About. Would you like to stay in the NFC West division? That would be fun. Okay. Great division. 49ers rookie linebacker Chris Borland intercepted a fourth down pass by Eli Manning, one of five interceptions by the Giants quarterback. Uh, that was the final interception, though, was the killer. A 16-10 win uh, for the San Francisco 49ers over the Giants. That is five straight losses for the New York Giants. Wes is grinning for multiple reasons. Uh, of course, we had the Eli Manning Hall of Fame uh, discussion. You, you love these type of days. And also, you also like the Giants failing. But why? we're not going to talk to you about this right now, Wes. We're going to talk to our man. He is our East, po- East our Coast. Man. Yes, our East Coast correspondent. Uh, he is He's young. He, he seems happy. He, ha- he has a home that he shares with his girlfriend. He is Connor Orr. <laughs> <laughs> What's up, Connor? That was the best introduction I've ever gotten. Yeah, you're young, you're life. happy. Are you in that home right now? Just kick. Yeah, I, you must be. It's late. I am. Yeah, yeah. So, it's, so, uh, so you were at MetLife Stadium for what would be deemed as one of those classic Eli meltdown afternoons, correct? Yeah. Um, you know, after the third interception, we didn't think it could get much worse, but uh, there happened to just be two more after that, and. Uh, I, you know, part of me, I, I'm still wrestling between, you know, uh, part of me thinks that he, he's just a quarterback that doesn't stop throwing and you have to admire that. But all of his <laughs> mistakes seem to be bad 
mistakes, and, and, and it never seems to get any better. I mean, a five-interception game, and it's not his first that he's had. I mean, he's had quite a few <laughs> of the last couple Wes years. cackling. <laughs> that's what you want in a Hall of Fame quarterback meltdown. Yeah, you don't have to respect it, Connor. You don't have to. By the way, you know who threw five it. interceptions sometimes? Joe Namath, too. Gunslinger. <laughs> in, in fairness, though, Eli only had six on the whole year going into this game, so it yeah. hasn't been typical of this season. Let's talk about the team that matters here, the Niners, who back-to-back weeks now have basically you know, had their season flash before them and both times came out of it on top, a big-time defensive effort to get the job done today. Yeah, I mean, this one was entirely on the defense, and uh, you know, Vic Fangio, they, he had them going early, and then uh, Alden Smith wasn't out for the first two series, and then as soon as he put Alden Smith in, I mean, it got even it spiraled for the Giants. I mean, they at one point were triple teaming him, wow. and I mean, if you think about how many offensive linemen you have, you know, I mean, that's that's a large portion of of those people. So, and, uh, and Smith, yeah. who got benched, basically, I mean, Smith, who wasn't starting the game when he came in, Ahmad Brooks was part of a rotation uh, with Lynch. And at one point, Brooks decided that he didn't want to be part of the rotation. And he, according to our NFL media insider, Ian Rathbort, told the 49ers coaches he didn't want to play anymore. That's he healthy. Be- he benched himself. He took off his cleats. He sat that is at the, the best part. He sat he at the end of the bench. off of his cleats. <laughs> it's insane. Like, uh, you know, it, the, the best part about this is every week you hear a new story about how Jim Harbaugh is catastrophically losing this locker room. And yet they they they're, they're six and four. I mean, they're an extremely talented team, and somehow he has just enough guys in his corner. Um, you know, after I think it was Parrish Cox had an interception, he ran off the field and he handed the ball to Harbaugh and hugged him and said, "This is for you." So there's that going on, and then on the other end, there's guys that are just voluntarily quitting in the middle of the game. Right. So there's a there's an interesting dynamic, certainly. Connor, so I think a lot of people feel like Jim Harbaugh won't be back in San Fran next year. But across the way, it sure feels like this could be the end for Tom Coughlin as well, which would, if Ben McAdoo also sails off into the distance, put Eli Manning into his third offense in three years, which is not what you want from a late period Eli Manning. No. I mean, this is going to be the hardest offseason, I think, that, that John Maris probably ever had as, as president and, and CEO. I mean, you know, if you, if you look at the decisions he has to make, I mean, the, the problems clearly start from the way that they draft, but it trickles down. You have to do something to satisfy the fan base. You can't put that same lineup of coaches in next year. And it's not just a matter of, oh, we'll replace a couple position coaches again and everyone will be happy. I mean, this is, uh, I don't think anybody's going to accept any less than a full-scale renovation here. I mean, they're, this is the second year in a row where they're so out of it that it's it's glaring. I mean, there's there's a lot of problems. Maybe finding Giants wasn't the best uh, way to go with that NFL <laughs> Network series. <laughs> I thought it was excellent. Well, well they did find Odell Beckham. And yeah, I mean, that's that was, true. He was he was unbelievable against. You, you get a cookie. You get a cookie from the shadowy league figure, yes, there, Connor. Good and job. A lollipop. All right, Connor. Well, you can go back to shopping for engagement rings online. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> wow. Thank thank you for everything that you do. Bye bye. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you know, it's just two kids breaking some personal business right here on the podcast. Just like two that. kids in a big old house. Got to fill that house up with kids. But before you do that, you got to get that ring. <laughs> got to get that Sunday. I'm <laughs> <laughs> plotting out the rest of his life. That's how it works. Um, the only man I know that cannot be tied down to my left, Chris Wesley. He won't be tied down. He's a man on an adventure course in life. I've been disengaged. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right, boys. Let's talk about the hottest team in the NFL. They are the Green Bay Packers. Aaron Rodgers threw for 341 yards and three touchdowns. And Julius Peppers had his second pick six of the season. And Green Bay just destroyed the Philadelphia Eagles in a 53-20 win on Sunday. That's two straight 50 burgers for the Packers, Chris Wessling, who look simply unbeatable at Lambeau Field. Is the message, is the mission for the rest of the NFC to stop the Packers from getting the number one seed now? Yes, that's the mission. First time in 93 years of their franchise, back-to-back 50 burgers. Mm. And this has been like this for since the beginning of the season in Green Bay. Since that Jets game in week two, they've only allowed – and they didn't allow a touchdown with Aaron Rodgers on the field from that week two game until this game. And it was already a laugher when, when the Eagles scored in this game. They got out to a 30-3 to lead, which is par for the course for them at Green Bay. They've jumped out 42 to nothing, 45 to nothing, and I believe 38 to three in their other home games. It's you can't go into Green Bay and keep it close. And we give plenty of credit to the gentleman I'm about to bring up. So let's now uh, put him under the spotlight when things don't work out so well. He is the great, the unquestioned genius of professional football, Chip Kelly, who got taught a lesson in offense by the Green Bay Packers <laughs> and Mike McCarthy. Let's be fair. They, all the points they scored the game, it was garbage time. There was only one expert offense in town in Wisconsin, and it was not the great Chip Kelly's offense. Do you know the lesson he was taught by Mike McCarthy? What? If you have Aaron Rodgers, you're going to beat Mark Sanchez. Well, how about this? We've been saying all season, uh, especially I don't know whose theory it is, one, one of the football heads. It's Greg's theory. That is that we are dealing with a quarterback-proof offense in Philly. Uh, I'm not going to put all this on Sanchez, but he certainly stepped back his level of play from uh, Monday night. So if you're not going to have a quarterback that can match Aaron Rodgers, it's not going to work out. Well, I'm not going to put that much of it on Sanchez to start when the defense and special teams gives up 24 points in the first 20 minutes. I mean, they were blitzed. And Sanchez, you're right, isn't going to do well if he's put in a spot where he's trailing. And then after that, it it got very ugly. It seems like right now with the way that Green Bay is operating at the level that they're playing – that fill-in-the-blank team goes into Green Bay and deals with Aaron Rodgers. It's just a buzzsaw. This was 17 nothing after 15 minutes, and then it was, what, 33-6 to at one point? Whatever you game planned, whatever you thought you could do with Mark Sanchez goes totally out the window. Well, they turned it over four times, too. Uh, the Packers didn't turn it over at all. I mean, on our we, we did a video for NFL Now, our top takeaways of the week. You should watch it. Wesseling thinks the road to the Super Bowl is going through. Lambo, and, and if it is, people are in trouble. Well, look at their schedule. They're tied with the Lions now. They're unbeatable at home, and the three road games are Minnesota, Buffalo, and Tampa Bay. Mm. And then they have the Lions at Lambeau for the season finale. So they have the edge in the NFC North, and to me, they're probably the best. If the Cardinals don't lose a couple of more games, that will be, I guess, their, their big, could be their Waterloo having to go to Arizona, but... To me, the Packers look like the best team. If you're Detroit, it feels like you're just hanging on to what was the sweet spot of your season that's now fading away as Green Bay is going to overtake you (laughs) and win that division. Detroit's not a complete team. We've already talked about it. Green Bay may not have the greatest defense on the planet, but they don't need to be when they're unraveling 47 points a game. Their defense is very much improved, and I think they play a lot better at home. And they, they have a lot of players now. We saw it with Peppers today. Clay Matthews is playing better now. 
You know, Sam Shields was back in the lineup. Micah Hyde's making plays. Uh, Clinton uh-huh, Dix has been great. Mike Daniels. They have a lot of guys that can make one-on-one plays. It's almost like Dom Capers, you can't screw this up. Julius Peppers has been one of the best free agent pickups. He's been great this year. And uh, on the other side of the ball, Jordy Nelson needs to be a first-team All-Pro. What fictions will Casey Matthews come up with this week about Green Bay's defense <laughs> and his brothers rolling it? That's a good question. This was the most Matthews I've ever seen in one game. Both Casey <laughs> and Clay, the brothers, plus Jordan Matthews, the Eagles receiver. Jordy Nelson, Randall Cobb, best one-two combo in football right now. Manuel Sanders, Demarius Thomas would be the competition, and who else? Megatron. Megatron and Golden Tate. I would put Nelson and Cobb up there. Would Greg and I have noticed this. Cobb plays wide receiver like a punt returner. He he always gets extra yards after the catch. And Nelson, to me, has been the best receiver in the NFL. His stats aren't as good as Antonio Brown's because the Packers are always up by 30 to nothing at halftime. All right, so we just talked about a team that moved into a tie for first place. Now we'll talk about a team that fell out of first place. The Cleveland Browns. Mark Sessler. J.J. Watt caught a two-yard touchdown pass from Ryan Mallett. That was Mallett's first touchdown throw of his career. And uh, Houston got a dominating effort from their defense in a 23-7 win over the Cleveland Browns in Cle- Cleveland on Sunday. The Texans are now back to 500. Uh, the, the Browns uh, drop a game after that great Thursday night win over the Bengals. Mark, uh, a very highly unproductive effort from Hoyer and Cleveland's offense. Should Browns fans be worried? I think I think so because this is the kind of game that, you know, when you don't have a history of success like this Browns team that dates back beyond a couple months tops, then when you lose a game like this, it will bring all the doubters back out. And for good reason, it's not unfounded. I mean, they looked completely, you know, a lot of times when we all sit and watch these games and I have a, as a longtime Browns fan, I have a pessimism towards the team. And when I say sometimes five, 10 minutes in, this thing is over, I can feel it. It's not going to happen today. Well, that comes from years of seeing that actually unfold in games, and that is how I felt right away just something was off. Their <laughs> passing game was completely you know, unproductive from the start. Brian Hoyer played his worst game of the season. Here's a weird stat or a bad stat on Hoyer. He became just the fourth NFL quarterback since 1988 to attempt at least 50 passes with a completion percentage of 40%. Or lower. I mean, they really missed any sort of a playmaker today. And after what we saw in Cincinnati, when they can run the ball and they can eat up the clock that way, and he gets into a groove, then that's fine for him. But when they leaned on him today and they couldn't do anything on the ground for much of the day either, it exposed him. He had as many incompletions as Ryan Mallett's had attempts. Yeah, and Mallett, and Mallett <laughs> looked, you know, yeah. Mallett looked good. I thought, and he didn't look outstanding. He he was a little. He's thrown some wobblers early on, but he's got a big arm, and that opened up their offense a little bit. And here's the one thing about Mallett. He just looked much more comfortable. He knows Bill O'Brien for years. He looked, they ran the no huddle a bunch, completely more comfortable than Ryan Fitzpatrick. Mm. They played with pace, and they tired out Cleveland's defense because it didn't matter that Arian Foster was in there. In comes Blue running for 156 yards. I mean, they killed Cleveland's run here, my boy. They killed Cleveland's. There's no Phil Taylor. They had a couple guys get hurt during the game. They were running against nobody on Cleveland's defense and just shredding them. I'm going to say it's a bad sign when Alfred Blue and Jonathan Grimes run the ball 49 times against you. Not good. Not good. You were a factory of for, for over 200 yards. Like that was easy, too. TD, and uncreative. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, TD, shame on Come you. On. Well, let's. Give us the J.J. Watt report. He he was all over the highlights today. He was. It was it was a mixed bag early because, A, you got the touchdown, which everyone's going to watch that highlight a thousand times. He caused Cleveland to get into a couple holds and, 
and you know offsides. He, he obviously they were preoccupied with him the entire time, but he he hit punter Spencer Lanning on on back to back drives. Spencer Lanning. The second it led to Cleveland's only touchdown. I mean, he had two big penalties, but he also was playing with his hair on fire. Recovered a fumble, caused a fumble on Hoyer. I mean, he was all over the place. Literally, <laughs> literally on fire, or metaphorically. <laughs> metaphorically, Chris. Uh, uh, Mark, you there is um, an anger inside you as you speak right now. Also, we saw it again downstairs. You seemed very fired up. I don't think this I game. overreacted to it, but the only hope for them, I mean, tomorrow. Let's look at the schedule. How about the this? Quiet yeah. storm, Mark Sessler. <laughs> Let's look at the schedule. There, what are they now, Mark? Six and four. Six and four. Okay. All right. At Falcons. How about this, uh, Wes? You're you're not you're you're not partial enough. You're going to give him a loss every no, week. No, I'm completely unbiased. I'm gonna, you go through it, the schedule. Ready? Win right. or loss? At right. Falcons. Win. Seven loss. And, seven and four. At Bills. Loss. Seven and five. Home to Colts. Loss. Seven and six. Home to Bengals. Mm, loss. Seven and seven. At Panthers. Win. Eight and seven. At Ravens. Loss. Eight and eight. I can't get behind that. I can get behind that. Feels right. The one caveat. Nine and seven, maybe. You know. Yeah, no, I, and I, I don't. I wouldn't have an argue that. But tomorrow, mm. in rides Josh Gordon on a pony with a saddle, <laughs> hemp strewn saddle, hemp <laughs> strewn into Berea. We'll see what happens. All right, I like that. And I'm annoyed because we can't knock the Texans out of the playoff picture yet. There's 12 teams hanging around the AFC playoff picture, and now they're one of them. Well, and also because I think they're a different offense with Mallet. I mean, he, he'll, they'll get coaches will get tape on them, no question, but they are not as dull as they have been. Maybe they should have made this change a while ago. Wes in a tough spot because you've been down on the Texans all season, mostly Fitzpatrick-related, but also you got the Browns going down. You, you don't like the Browns. We all know that. Where are you at right now emotionally yourself? Uh, I, Sitting I'm, on a cloud. As somebody, fans don't realize this, but my basic bias is part of a big part of our job is watching Game Rewind, and that's what I do in my off time. So I like teams that are interesting. The Texans are eminently more watchable with Ryan Mallett than they were with Ryan Fitzpatrick. That's fair. They were today. All right, fair enough. So the Browns are out of first place. And guess who is in first place? Andrew Dalton. Andy Dalton. <laughs> Bounced back from his Thursday night football horror show by throwing three touchdown passes. And the Cincinnati Bengals dropped the New Orleans Saints to their second straight home loss, 27-10 final. Not even close on Sunday. Chris Wessling, give Andy Dalton some credit. Recovers from his personal <laughs> butt fumble moment and delivers one of the best games of his career. That's heart on that orange head. Absolutely deserves credit. He went from the worst passer rating of his career to... That was his passer rating, two. <laughs> two what? 2.0. Oh. oh, two, two. And then he, today he had the best passer rating of his career, 143.9. Researcher Bill Smith confirmed for me that that's the biggest weekly vacillation in the history of the NFL. <laughs> well, since 1960. Hey, easy there. It, this is a kid, you know. I don't know. <laughs> it's an adult program. That's the biggest swing. He stuck it up everyone's Since at buttocks. least 1960. That said that Dalton was going to be done after this game. He bounced back with a big performance. And you know what? I'm not going to, I'm not all the way back in on Dalton. I was hurt a lot by that Browns game. But I am not stunned that he bounced back. I didn't realize you were, had what? such a stake in Andy Dalton's career. I, it's built. This I, is exactly I, what he is. This is why he's in the middle. We don't say he's the worst quarterback in the league. He bounces back from this these bad games, and there's no reason to think he'll keep this good Yeah, because you going. know he's going to circle right back down in the darkness. 
perhaps until that magical January run in 2019. The table that takes us to a, well, no, this year we're going to get another Saturday playoff game. Everyone that's so excited (laughs) that Cleveland fell out of first place in the AFC North, you know what you're going to get? Gift wrap for you in the middle of January. Cincinnati on a Saturday playoff game. You're going to get the Ravens and the Steelers in the playoff. That Bengals Saturday playoff game has replaced Christmas as my favorite holiday. (laughs) (laughs) I thought you like watching good football, Wes. Come on. I love watching watching the Bengals Bengals collapse. That's but let's talk about let's talk about the Saints, a team that we've given the benefit of the doubt yeah. all season, including uh, one of our recent podcasts on Wednesday when we forked the entire <laughs> NFC South and said, "Oh, we believe in the Saints. We think they're going to be okay this season." And then they let us down hard. And you know, it makes me think of that Sean Payton poster he had hanging when he suspended. Do your job, Saints. Do your job. Win this horrible division. You, you're tied with the Falcons. At, in first place, they have the to Falcons be, stink. The, you stink. Are they the most disappointing, at least NFC team of the entire year? They have no, to. They're be. the most yeah. disappointing NFL close. team by far. I don't think there's anyone even remote. I mean, you guys, you mocked me at one point for not having in the top five of like the preseason power rank. I mean, they you, we thought we were there. They were the best team in the league. It's one of a thousand things we were wrong about, but it still stands out. <laughs> They've what? been playing in a stupor all season, and today it was perfectly encapsulated by. The play right before the end of the first half, a complete defensive breakdown. Jeremy Hill breaks off a 62-yard run to give the Bengals a free field goal with one second left on the clock. Wow. I mean, when they came back from that Thursday night game, everyone was excited because, okay, we got three straight home games. This thing's over. And then they lose the first two home games. The next one's against Baltimore, and then they have to go to Pittsburgh. I mean, this is they got to get this turned around. That That's a great Monday night game next week, Ravens-Saints, just because it means so much to the Saints. And just a bad year for the Saints all around and their fan base. That jerk in the first front row after the Jeremy Gresham touchdown goes to toss it to a nice blonde-haired woman wearing an A.J. Green jersey, and the guy snags the football away from her and then refuses to give it back. <laughs> that's another snapshot into this season. Not only refuses to give it back. The girl is pleading with him, like almost on her knees, begging, and he won't even acknowledge her presence. Wow, it's a bad job back-to-back weeks by Saints fans in the front of the crowd because there was the guy, the Joker, last week. Who I don't oh, know if he's a groper, up, yeah. Where he grabs a big hunk of Jimmy Graham's ass. What's going His on over buttocks. there? His buttocks. <laughs> What's going Way on? Way too much buttocks references for one it's, show. It's but I wonder if correct. to people in New Orleans, would this be untoward or uncustomary for them to have a drink or two before the games get underway, for the, to unleash this awful behavior? I think what that gentleman today did was pretty typical of your average Mardi Gras crowd. Just stealing... <laughs> Just steal Yeah, no law. Oh, There's no law behavior. Yeah. Easy there. Right, here we go. Now I'm going to have to stand yeah, up. Sit next to her for the rest of the game. That's the understand. weird part. When you Greg know. starts talking about his Tulane days, can we just have Springsteen's glory days playing <laughs> in the background in the future? Greg's glory days are from his middle school goth band when he was the lead singer. Let's not, what was the name of that not, band again? Delaware was not Delaware. a goth Delaware. band. That if all. there's was, anyone out there that is savvy enough. in the ways of computer history searching uh, the internet, if you could find a well, band. This is pre-internet, basically. It's out there. There's a YouTube video. There's got to be some type of video Wait, uploaded. Wait, you said there's a guy in your band whose mom and dad recorded everything. Yes, yeah, so it's there is footage somewhere. Delaware, the group was formed in western Massachusetts sometime in the mid to late 90s. Heavy goth leanings. Heavy, go- heavy goth leanings. Had to be before the mid to late 90s. Probably played a couple talent shows or uh, things of that nature. So if you could track that down, we will give you all the toasters. <laughs> in Culver City. All right, so yeah, so the Saints uh, lose again, and that o- left the door wide open for the Atlanta Falcons, who take care of business 
against the Carolina Panthers. Matt Ryan threw for 268 yards and a touchdown. Matt Ryan, a perfect 4-for-4 four four on field goals. Uh, after blowing a lead, the Falcons get it back and then get some help on a couple of uh, missed field goals by Graham Gano, including a, bo- a block as time expired. And it all adds up to a 19-17 win for the Falcons, who are now uh, a 4-6 four, four team. But in the NFC South, the lumpy NFC South, as I wrote in my recap, that is good enough for a tie for first place. So the Falcons are tied for first place, the team that has been bad all season. We remember what happened in London, one of the great meltdowns uh, for a team, and yet they're right in the mix to play in January. And you can't even make the case that they're playing well because all they really did was win an ugly game in Tampa Bay and beat a decrepit Carolina team. Carolina with a missed field goal. Yeah, basically this was a 16-3 game in the fourth quarter. Cam Newton uh, getting booed out of the building. The whole offense just playing terribly in Charlotte. Come to life, two quick strikes, two touchdowns to take a one-point lead. And then to to the Falcons' credit and to Matt Ryan's credit, who who doesn't doesn't feel like he's had enough big moments in recent seasons, he um, led them down the field, got the field goal, and they were able to hold on. They got help from Grand Gano, missed a 44-yarder, the next possession. But, I mean, a win is a win. They took care of business, and now they're right in the middle of this race. In Matt Ryan's defense, I believe he's had more come-from-behind victories than any quarterback in the league since he entered the NFL. Hmm. If they do wind up winning this hideously ugly NFC South division, they will be the second team in NFL history to survive a five-game losing streak and still get to the playoffs. 86, your 86 Jets, Dan, were the <laughs> yes. other. 10-1 and one to 10-6. and six. Yeah, I, call me crazy, and I'm not, I can't be loyal to the Saints on any level because they continue to let us down. But I'm still not crazy nervous about our fork decision because for some reason I, I think the Saints are still going to win the division, but I'm not, I'm not as confident anymore by any stretch. It's, it's a shame the Bengals aren't in the NFC because the Falcons are one team they could beat on that first Saturday in January. <laughs> I, it took me a while to understand all of that, but I like where you're going, baby. Uh, anything else about that game you want to talk about? A guys? call for realignment from Wes. <laughs> I, don't know. The Pan- I mean, the Panthers are one of the worst teams in the NFL. They went from a – I mean, I don't, that's not even a controversial statement. It's just a that fact. they are. They won their first they two games. They went from a bye to one, one of the worst since. teams in the well, NFL. Well, I said that last week, and right. then you called me out for looking well, ahead to nah, next season. You were way you you're were a ahead of your time. Yeah. You Thank are, you. You win the gold star a today. A seer. That's what you are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, so let's, let's stop talking about that bad team. We'll move on to the San Diego Chargers. Phillip Rivers threw a 22-yard touchdown pass to Malcolm Floyd on the game's third play from scrimmage, and then Chargers... They kind of just held on from there. It wasn't a, a good a, a good effort by any stretch. They beat the worst team in the NFL, the Oakland Raiders, 13-6 on Sunday. Um, Mark, you drew the short straw. Actually, no, you, you actually called Greg shortly after sunrise to say that you wanted to work this game. Well, yeah, text. I did not. I texted him, <clears throat> but you're exactly he right. He said, please let me watch this 0-9 team try to get on the board against the team of ATL and they could not do it. Tell well, us about I this is basically Mark Sessler in a nutshell though. 
waking up really early, thinking about his job, texting me at 6.30 in the morning, and then for some weird reason, falling on the grenade that he wants to watch the Raiders. This is you in the nutshell. Let's not forget something. <laughs> we were foolhardy enough to nominate as a group the Chargers as team of ATL. I'll try to change the subject. No, but that's I wanted to find out. Unusual behavior by you this morning. It was unusual. You know, my house was aglow early. It's with not unusual for children. you, though. I've gotten a lot of texts which somehow are in line with this. Well, I apologize no, I love for it. thinking great. about my job outside it's of terrific. the hours that I'm in my seat. Kiss buttocks. Anyways, <laughs> listen, the Chargers do not deserve right now to be the team of anything. They are a team that went out there today and looked completely discombobulated to me in the past. You got a bye week after getting thrashed by the Dolphins. You go away, you come back today, and from the start, Phillip Rivers just seemed to be in a miscommunication maze with his wide receivers. Couldn't hit passes. Was shouting at Keenan Allen on the sideline at one point, and for good reason. I mean, I want to go back and watch this one again because something just was not really? right. Wow, well, no. you love <laughs> watching the Raiders. This is the team that we nominated. You said I want to find the, out. You were saying during the game it was like the worst game you've ever seen. Well, and it looked like at one point they were going to just wind up winning 30 to – seven or something, but instead they just couldn't do anything down the stretch. Ryan Matthews comes back and he helps on the ground. They had their best day running in a month, but in general, there's no, like the, he the, looked healthy. He looks, he looked healthier to me. He didn't look but, like he was last season. But health is a major issue here, right? We have Phillip rivers dealing with an issue, right? Well, he, he hurt his knee at one point, And then later on, it look, we found out from Antonio Gates after the game that he's been dealing with a rib injury. He said a, rivers a severe a rib injury for a while, which translates to he's playing with, broken ribs and, and that can, would explain some, some of the some of what's going on in the passing game but he got sacked by Khalil Mack and looked in to be in a lot of pain at that point I don't know this was you're playing the worst team in football that couldn't get out of their own way and you and you barely win hmm. it's no style points so, they I won mean, the Browns struggled against Raiders they got the job done yeah but we just called the Browns an eight and eight team this is the team yeah. of ATL and the way, the team we thought was soaring into sorry the all this talk about changing the team of ATL let's come on this is our team we can't bail on them now. Speak for yourself. No, you, no, went with you it. signed off on you it, sir. I dumped them. You, you no, three no, no, weeks no. ago or four weeks you ago. Are, it has not been formally recognized. You are a part of this unit. Are you part of the Around the NFL podcast? I am. Then you are in you on agree. the Chiefs. We can't get up on I, them I now. I dumped them. If you guys aren't going to follow me, that's your own folly. You follow? No, you. You, have, you get stuck watching a boring team now. You agreed for them to be the team. You Look, are very anti-Cardinals. This whole thing was wrong from the beginning because we insisted on not making it organic, and that defeats the whole purpose of the team of ATL. Well, we got it wrong wow. by not nominating the this Cardinals. Is, this is getting ugly. I, Look, it was it was a wrong-headed notion from the beginning that we have to appease our fans by picking a team at a certain joint. How now dare it, we try to appease our fans? <laughs> because that's not what ugly the team of thinking. ATL is about. The team Awful of ATL thinking. is about us. I do think we should think of our fans right now. Now I know how Mark and Dan feel. When, when they say you know, they're hearing Chris and I or like listening yes. to their parents yell, because right now there's a lot of uh, around the NFL podcast listeners cowering in a corner wondering <laughs> what's, what's happened to the love it's of their group that's I, all coming apart. I'm just disappointed that we, Wes gave us his word, and his word was supposed to be as good as Oak. And now he's talking about walking out into the darkness with his own team. Maybe that's why I'm unmarried, because I can't commit. <laughs> I just dump people out of habit, like just leave them on the side of the road. Yeah, and actually, no, it's a great point because when times get hard, you don't bail. You have to see things through. My heart wasn't in this. This this was an arranged marriage. Yeah. (laughs) It's like the Chargers got pregnant and you felt like you had to marry them. It's like we were born in the uh, 13th century and – 
I was given a cow by her parents. It's a pretty good analogy with Philip Rivers being their quarterback. It all makes Ooh. sense. I'm not accepting <laughs> so the dowry. I'm giving the cow back. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. So, yeah, the Chargers won, though. That's the <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the thing, though. It was not a great effort. The Raiders, while are zero and ten, and by the way, if not, it's going to go a full calendar year now without winning a game. Uh, but they're not a, such an inept team. They're they're better than the two thousand eight Lions, as an example. Uh, they're a competitive team, and their their defense is a little frisky. Well, and you like whether or not the Chargers played well, they saved their season because you're six and four, and you're one game back behind the Broncos and Chiefs in the West. Right. It right would have been you would have been out otherwise. And they got. We talked about how they're going to get defensive players back, and their def- their defense had a great game. I mean, I know it was against the Raiders, but they did. a lot of teams have done a lot worse against the Raiders. They did what they needed to do to win, and you would think maybe if Phillip Rivers can get healthy, then the offense can get better. One question about the Raiders, Mark. Do they have to play Latavius Murray at running back? I, You know, they have to do something. Their running game is an abject disaster. Why not give the next guy a shot? All right, so let's uh, let's move on to a game. Let's just, you know, bury all the bad blood. You know, just move on as a group and talk about a game that really doesn't matter. Jay Cutler threw for 330 yards and three touchdowns. And the Chicago Bears, they won, guys. Only the second time in seven games. They beat the Minnesota Vikings 21-13 on Sunday. Uh, it's all a little too, too little too late for the Bears, of course. Uh, though a nice, a nice win that I would imagine helps Mark Tressman's job security at the very least. I don't think Tressman going to save his job with just one win, but at least this was a game where they completely dominated Minnesota. I took the Vikings in this game, and the Vikings, it was a miracle that they were within one score late in the game because the Bears went up and down the field. They threw the ball vertically. Teddy Bridgewater couldn't do anything in the cold weather and the snow. Like It, it looked like it was an 8-2 and two Bears team going against a 2-8 and eight Vikings team. All of these rookie quarterbacks that are playing right now appear to be regressing. Hmm. This I think was, it's a long season, and yeah. some of them just seem to have hit a wall. And and they're also, if you're the Vikings and you're, you know, Carr, for example, or your Bortles, you don't have a whole lot around you. Right. They didn't really attack the Bears secondary either deep down the field. Like, you would have thought they would have been fairly aggressive, but it was just dink and dunk, hope you could break a couple running plays, which they really didn't, and that was it. You want to talk about someone regressing – Cordero Patterson, our number one making the leap oh, guy. Come on, what's guy. going on with this guy? Week after it's week. It's over for him. This season was a loss, and now they got to figure out if he's a guy that they can actually keep uh, as a main part of their game plan because there obviously is a huge disconnect uh, with him. He, he has no role in this offense. It, it's kind of hard. It, it's hard to know what to say about this team when Charles Johnson led the team in receiving with six catches. I'm sorry, who? Seven yards. Your boy, <laughs> two? Charles, Charles Johnson. Oh, yeah. Former who? Browns? Charles Johnson. <laughs> Chucky, Chucky J. What? You love him, right? Yeah, well, and here we go. 87 yards, 14.5 <laughs> average. Oh, everyone's freaking out that anyone would even name him as a potential right. wide receiver with any promise. And it's I like, don't oh, see it. put him on the field. Charles Johnson, is he's really making Greg eat his words right yeah, now. Yeah, I have no, well, I, no it's, idea it's what this script even was. You just were so aggressive <laughs> about it. I knew this had something to do with something. At some point, Greg ago. did tout Charles Johnson. and I mean, uh, I Mark and Wes touted Charles Johnson as a yeah. sleeper on the Browns roster, right? It wasn't untrue. I think if he were in Cleveland, he would have been making plays they for them, too. They right don't now. have any wide receivers. Now you do. Oh, that's Mr. right. Josh Gordon. Oh, right. oh, yeah. Speaking of great young wide receivers, rookie Mike Evans had 209 yards receiving and two touchdowns on Sunday. And the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they ended a five-game losing streak with a 27-7 win over the Washington Redskins. 
who stink. Robert Griffin III. He continues to look extremely rusty. I don't know. How long can you be playing the rusty card, by the way, when there was a bye week? They already played one week. He still looks rusty coming back from that ankle injury. And the Redskins in general look like a team that is very, very, very far from contention on any level. I stand in awe of your transition. Oh, mm, thank you. In general, your transitions tonight have been unbelievable. I am professional. Uh, but about the Redskins. Yeah, Robert Griffin III left his talent on the operating room table. It's it's it. I, I think oh Wes and I gosh. have both been uh, very patient with Robert. That's you know, true. We, we we talked him up in the offseason. We season. talked him up as a we comeback player of the year guy. We had genuine hope. We, we loved how, how the player he once was. But that guy's gone. I don't know. Maybe he's coming back. Maybe eventually. Maybe it will take another coaching step. Maybe it will take another year. Maybe it takes him to move to another team. But this version of Robert Griffin Jr., I, uh, third, I, I tweeted that the biggest difference, there are a lot of issues. He's not maybe as physically great, but there's a complete absence of mojo with this guy. There's just you could just the way he carries himself now, he doesn't have any of that swagger, that confidence. Uh, even when he, you know he's in the pocket, he's not comfortable. When he runs with the ball, he doesn't seem like a dangerous weapon anymore. It, and it, the accuracy is a major issue. He overthrew Deshaun Jackson twice, which is hard to do. Uh, and you know he doesn't even he couldn't even find Jordan Reed who was once a guy last season. The one thing you thought you could take out of last season was the connection with Jordan Reed. And injuries on both ends uh, have really short circuited that. Reed hurt his hamstring again today. So I mean I haven't watched a ton of Redskins this year, and I, I found it to be a real arduous tour, uh, chore. They are a bad, bad football team and a bad organization right now that really has to start thinking about blowing the whole thing up. Well, this is their worst game in a really bad season by far. Losing at home to the Bucks, Jay Gruden called it horrific. RG3 said all six sacks were on him, and he called it a travesty. So, is there any there scenario where he's not on the team next year? Yes. I, I so. believe they have an $18 million option on him. Wow. Well, I just wonder if if Jay Gruden's still the coach, which you I assume that he is. I'm gonna miss Jay Gruden. No, I assume Jay Gruden will still be the coach, and yeah, I don't think it's that crazy to imagine that they could trade him. I don't know. It wow. seems better for both parties. Let's maybe, talk about it? the good quarterback this? in this game. <laughs> oh, wow. big day wow. for Josh us. McCown, one thirty-seven point five way, quarterback rating. Besides the disgraceful team of ATL stuff. Been a big day for Wes on the podcast. Browns lost. Josh McCann sliding into place. <laughs> it's a big win. Or in the Saints losing. Uh, it but it took ten weeks. But now you finally have a good Josh game. To, game to talk about. Josh McCown. Josh game. McCown was good last week too. Mike Glennon's never been as good as Josh McCown was today. <laughs> he was legit good, and he has some real chemistry with with this rookie receiver because I I think Mike Evans is the front runner for offensive rookie of the year now. Um, I think it's a, a crowded field, a lot of talented, especially at the wide receiver position. But this guy is the real deal. I mean, he was dominant. He went over 200 yards on seven catches, uh, making big plays, getting behind the secondary. Uh, this is a guy who's potentially be a special player. And you put, we talk about duos, it gets lost because it's Tampa Bay and they're they're you know the Bucks. But Vincent Jackson and Mike Evans have a chance to be a real dangerous uh, coupling if they keep them together. I know, I know that you're right. McCown has looked better than Glennon, and he's and he's, a, I think he's a Lovey Smith type of quarterback in a lot of ways. <laughs> That's not a compliment. Well, I just think that he's a kind of he's a veteran. I don't think Lovey Smith wants a to bad take, one. Like, no, he doesn't want to take some Craig young Krenzel. guy that he has to spend four years on. He doesn't have time to do that in Tampa. But if you're a Bucks fan after suffering through the horrors of this season, do do you want Josh McCown 
as your long-term answer here? I just I think it's like, yeah, he's playing well, but that's not an answer for this team. Look, this could sound crazy, but the Bucks are not out of the NFC South race. No, they're not. And they would be. They this, could win this division. They could also be another team that lost five straight and <laughs> joined the eighty-six Jets. His to head go to in the his hands. Was this and the same team that was division. losing fifty-six nothing to the Falcons on a Thursday yeah, night? Yeah, you also yeah. said they were. And the I don't worst think you're wrong necessarily. By far. They were a weeks ago. But that McCown. was pre-McCount. Oh my gosh, I don't think he. Oh wait a second, Wes. Come on, be careful here with Look, this McCown stuff. I. Had, Everybody in America has trashed Josh McCown, and I was said I said a few weeks ago I'm not willing to write this no. guy off. I still believe okay, in that's him. That's fair, and w- and we didn't know maybe the how good Mike Evans was. 450 yards and five touchdowns in three weeks. Maybe he's good because un- Josh McCown helping him be good. Well, some of those stats were with your boy Mike Lennon. Yeah, <laughs> the worst answer in the NFL, and that takes us, gentlemen, to Sunday Night Football, where the New England Patriots. Look, every bit, the Super Bowl contender, Greg Rosenthal, was expecting this season. And they did it not because of Tom Brady on Sunday or some magical play by Darrell Rivas or something gritty from Julian Edelman. Rather, Jonas Gray goes nuts, runs for 199 yards and four touchdowns, leading the Patriots to a dominating 42-20 win over the Indianapolis Colts on the road. Just a really uh, a, a thorough win for Bill Belichick's team. Greg, you are now all alone atop the AFC, a full game out ahead of the Broncos. I haven't done anything. You personally have done this. Uh, nice blocking today up front, by the way, uh, with, with the tiebreaker advantage on the Broncos, too. So now the Patriots are in great position to go into the playoffs as the one seed, as long as they don't mess it up. Well, they have a lot of tough games left, Lions, Packers, Chargers, Dolphins, so I wouldn't give it to them right now, but mm-hmm. it's kind of shocking that they not only beat the Broncos and Colts in back-to-back weeks, but they did it convincingly, and they did it really with their offensive line. I mean, this was the big problem early in the season. The offensive line's changing players every every game, and they're getting dominated. And I mean, they just steamrolled Indianapolis up front. And the Colts are too easily bullied by quality opponents. Mm. This was it, it's the same thing that happened in the playoffs this year with Jonas Gray playing the role of LeGarrette Blount. Greg, I mean, honestly, are you surprised on any level that New England? You of know, course, I am. They won forty-two to twenty. On. No one expected that. I, I, I picked the Colts. This is the first time, by the way, I got a Patriots game wrong. <laughs> I thought, I knew they were playing great, but I thought this was a perfect spot for them to cool off a little bit, still be in good position in the AFC. But instead, they they dominated this game. Really, I mean, the game was closer. Uh, the final score doesn't quite indicate it. It was a, ga- it was a game for most of the way. Uh, but at, at the end of the day, they were outplaying the Colts th- throughout. They are really they are clicking at a level now that Tom Brady did not play particularly well in this game. He missed some throws. He threw two interceptions, including a terrible one at the end of the second quarter. But it didn't matter because you had this dominating performance by uh, Gray and the offensive line and another crazy special Gronk play. This team is clicking big time. Well, that's, this is why when you give Bill Belichick, you know, he gets a lot of credit. One of the reasons he should get it is because he does things like he came into this game with the plan to go six offensive linemen, almost half of the snaps, and just that was what they were going to do. They hadn't done that all season. That's exactly what they did, and the Colts had no answer for it. It was striking the contrast between Gray, who was a month ago on the Patriots practice squad, 
and Trent Richardson acquired for a first-round pick and was the slowest player on the field tonight. Mm. This, this Trent Richardson thing, I hope that <laughs> they, the Colts finally just cut the cord on this. They could not run the ball at all. They can't cut the cord because last we saw of Ahmad Bradshaw, he was limping off the yes. field with no cleat on his foot. They and had four yards, on, foot problems. four yards on 14 carries between Bradshaw and Richardson. And, you know – Mark, I want you to know, and Wes, that Greg is very happy right now. Patriots fans, again, they're on. They're like to the moon. These are new times. They have guess to be what? Patriots fans haven't been here. Just wait till Febu- February first when Tommy's walking off that field. Another loser in the Super Bowl. Then you won't be so happy. <laughs> if that's the best that you got, that, <laughs> that's all I got. This team's gonna make it to the Super Bowl. That's all I got. <laughs> Get revenge but in the desert. Stick that your pipe and smoke it. <laughs> in all seriousness, yeah, as Greg, you said this week, if the Patriots make the Super Bowl, the Giants won't be standing in their way. That's good. But <laughs> but honestly, with it's not too premature to talk a little Super Bowl talk for the Patriots because they're probably, barring now a, a late season stumble, gonna be hosting in Foxborough in January, and that's mm. huge. And, and the that Broncos, is very huge. And the Broncos, who a couple of weeks ago, we were all on the same page that no team looked better, now really needs to scramble to, to get this one seed. I don't know if they're going to. When, and when these teams inevitably meet again in the AFC title game, it will be in New England. And if it's anyone other than Denver, you look at the round the AFC, you can't find a team that's consistent from week to week. Didn't you have a Sessler that Brady would get injured this year? Oh, Okay, I was going to say that's the only way this team's getting derailed right now is a Brady or Gronk injury, really. And and I hear you, and and I'm not trying to make the case that they're going to fall apart or anything, but six games, you know, we talk about the end of the season like it's right around the quarter. Six games is an eternity. Six games ago, they were two and two. You know, the Chiefs were two and three. Yeah. We thought they had all sorts of problems. Things change. The Broncos are fully capable of going on a crazy run. The Patriots have some hard games. This Colts team, I think, is still going to be heard from by the end of the year. Denver, absolutely. But but New England, unlike other teams that are just learning how to succeed, I mean, this is what every year they have shown that they're capable of going on an eight, nine, ten game win streak. So I'm not that worried about them crumbling down the stretch. Give me a break. Very impressive (laughs) win, though. This is a, a very impressive win. And by the way, Al and Chris and NBC, they cannot catch a break. I was doing a little quick research after the game. This has been nine straight weeks now where a game has been decided by at least 18 points. What? Well, yeah, long, you know, a long drive Nine home. straight weeks. Oh How? Uh, that, I don't know if that could be fixed or what, but that is unprecedented. That's an especially I long trip home to, like, cream-colored mansions they live in. All right. Jamie Collins, <laughs> by the way. We got that one right. Another big game. Everything he, ma- he made the leap. What a great life you have, Greg. Greg guy. just sits on the throne of ease from yes. morning till night. The throne of ease <laughs> from morning till night. All right, well, let's all let's all retire to our thrones of ease at home. This is uh, another <laughs> around the NFL podcast ending. This is Dan Hansis signing off for the Sizzler, the Mailman, the Boss, and TD behind the glass, and Weezer. Gray. Oh, good call. TD has never heard this song before. I am liking it, though. That is a good part. This is how If we were doing a podcast a half a decade ago, we could have played Rudy Can't Fail by The Clash for Rudy Johnson. (laughs) Ah, too bad. Missed opportunity. I know. I think we officially owe Weezer money at this point. (laughs) Till Wednesday. (laughs) You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. 
and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. You're a growing business, which means you need every spare hour you can find. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started.